0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com host
1: welcome back to the messy truth conversations on photography i'm excited to have quill lemons on the show today quill is a new york-based artist who in a relatively short amount of time has crafted a distinct visual language which interrogates ideas around masculinity, queerness, race and beauty. One of the things I love about him is that he doesn't compromise on creativity. He is fiercely protective of his authorship, no matter what the context, while continuing to experiment and evolve his practice. In this highly energetic chat, we talk about everything from family, community, personal style, art making, speaking out, how to shoot in a pandemic, and how he blurs the lines between art and fashion.
0: I don't even know if a lot of people know this, but I'm from Philly. I grew up in South Philadelphia and I grew grew up with a mother who was 14 years old when she had me and I was raised by my mother my grandmother my aunt and my great-grandmother and my great-grandfather but he passed when I was like seven so like I had a lot of like maternal figures that were very opinionated and super just strong women that definitely influenced everything that I do to this day yeah I attribute everything especially like how I photograph women in general like it comes back to just how I see them and like Um, wanting to just convey strength especially especially with like black women I feel like I just want to get that right and I always just like reference them when I'm shooting other black women I love that yeah
1: So Glitter Boy was your debut. It was this like powerful moment of claiming space as a photographer, as well as like this awesome expression of your own identity as a young queer black man. Yeah. And as well as like creating your own personal visual language around black masculinity, which was much more expansive than the way the culture presents it. Yeah. I wondered if you could tell me a little bit about the genesis of that project and how it made you feel to make that work.
0: I... Did not realize how big of a thing it was going to be when I was shooting that. Um, That project started, a lot of my friends were modeling for Milk Makeup at the time. And so I went to a party and it was just like, oh, Milk was like, oh, come in our makeup and like, blah, blah, blah. We're just going to have everyone just have fun and like really just do like a really nice launch. And it was the first time I actually had my makeup done by someone. Like makeup was never something that I really felt like I had access to as a Black man um just because it's just a lot of stigmas when it came like homosexuality and just like it was just something that I was always told that black men couldn't do so it was really interesting to put it on I remember texting my mom like hey I have this like really cute selfie of me I'm going to post it on my Instagram what do you think because like weirdly at the time my mom was like playing a Christian role and she was like I don't know this might be a little bit too much and I was just like you know what fuck it I'm gonna post this and we're gonna watch what happens and like the reaction was polarizing because i put it on my twitter and it's like now it's been deleted because i've went through multiple twitters since then but the response was like so polarizing that i was like oh there's something here and i started to just like ask a few of my friends could i like take photographs of them like and apply glitter to their face and we would just do that for i think i started that project probably like in early like january and i was shooting with my friend harley And he was the first person that allowed me to put makeup on his face. And he's like, just kid from Miami. And I was just like, this is so cool just to even do this process of like two boys playing around in makeup. And we shot on my patio of my dorm room where I was an RA at the time. (laughs) And then it just cycled on and I was shooting and just like asking other just young Black people throughout the city if they wanted to be a part of this project. And they would just say, yeah, and then they would just come do the same thing. And like my residents would be helping me hold the backdrops up because there was like no stands. There was no, no production. It was just me sometimes taping the backdrops to the wall myself or uh, having like my, my literal residents hold up my backdrop for me while I'm like shooting these boys in front of it. And I just remember like seeing the first few like negatives and scans. And I was just like, this is like really special because I haven't really seen anything like it. And I just remember I was like, oh, I have to get this out. I have to get this out. And then I ran into Antoine Sargent because we had a mutual friend, Kitty Cash, and she was like, oh, like I have this little this little guy that I know. Kitty was like, yo, my little bro has like he's like really good with making like photos. You should see his work. And so like and like which was probably like a five minute exchange of just being like, yo, Antoine, I see it. You. You're really good at writing about shit. Like I see you. And I like had also really no scope of who he was. Like I knew that he was like in the art scene and like that he was just like a really like genuine person and I was just like he was like oh I want to check out some of your work and so like I had like a few portraits from glitter Boy. he was like I want to write about this but you need to finish this and I was just like <laughs> scrambling like trying to because I was a student in RA and I'm like trying to figure out when I have time to be an artist um <laughs> and I like was scrambling to the finish line because we wanted to drop it on the anniversary uh, Frank Ocean Snapchat because it was an it was an homage to Frank and everything that he is and and, and his Nike's video and also he like popped up at that time because like Frank is like so mysterious he's like I'm gonna be a, a whisper in the world um, and he had a Snapchat called a Real Glitter Boy and that's like with how I came up with the name I was like oh Glitter Boy is gonna be the name for this project. Um, and I was like also referencing like the scene from this Nike's video where he's like covered in glitter but floating through the air and it was like really magical and I was just like you really during it was like I think 2016 you never really got to see like black men do anything remotely similar to like to be even seen in that way and I was like but I wanted to create my own language which was like well you see it in the project and it was I was such early quill. So I'm like, I'll always look back <laughs> at those like photos and be I'm like, oh my God, like I would have definitely like just took more time of like learning like, like exposure and lighting. But those are things that i just learned through the process of doing. And I feel like my career has been one that i learn uh actively while being in the midst of it. It's like such a thing where like hindsight and retrospect is like, always like, oh, I would have done this better. But like, I was like, oh, this was like so raw. And like in this moment, I don't think that, it being um, like as refined as I am now with when it comes to making images, I don't think it would have the same type of impact because I like the rawness and like the grit is what I think people gravitated to. And it felt like they felt like they, it, it was them and it, they, it resonated with people because of like how like intimate and like how vulnerable it was due to like its uh, rawness and DIY-ness of it all. For um, sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, I really agree.
0: Um, so yeah, that was my first baby and I always just look back at that because I was like also coming to terms with the fact that I was like a young black queer man and like what that meant to like other people and also what it meant to me. Cause like I also haven't like openly had dialogues with my family about me being queer. Like they like they knew I was I came out to them, but that was like the only conversation. And so then to put out an art project that got so large it was like we had to just like have further dialogue about what it what my existence is in this world because like I even I had a recent conversation with my mom um, talking about like just the discrimination faced when dating with being black queer in like just like different like body types and things and she was like there's that much going on there she was like oh I didn't even like these are things that like straight people just don't know and I was like uh-huh. oh so we had like a lot of interesting conversation I had like a really great conversation with my dad after it came out of just like where he, uh, just fully acknowledged that I was his queer son and that he was like super supportive. And I was like, I don't think that's something that a lot of, uh, black queer people get to have. And I just like, am happy to share talk about that. And it was just so nice to like, have that support. And I like, hopefully that like the next generation behind me, like with blackness and queerness that parents don't, just like shun their kids for being themselves. And I was just like, with that project, it was me saying, this is who I am to the world, and but also to my family. And it was, I was like met with such like love and warmth that I was like, oh, this is like so much bigger than me. Especially when like Glitter Boy started, like uh, when it premiered at like Contact Festival, and it was like in a whole nother country that I haven't, haven't even been to. and I, Or I got like messages from like Jakarta and like Dubai of like people like sending me photos of like glitter on their face and being like, I like wore this in front of my mom, just like you. And like, she was like so happy and like smiling that I had this on my face. And I was just like that. It's like, this is way much larger than me. And I was like, I really started to understand the power of an image. So yeah, that's my pride. That was my baby. And I was like, I'm always like. In all of it, because I just, I shot that on my patio. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm always in all of it. And like, but I also know how important it was. and it, And it still is to the world.
1: I feel as well, it was like your first experience of both kind of, the power and wrath of social media in that, you know, the work yeah. exploded. Like you said, like it built all these relationships with people that you don't even know in quite a powerful way. But yeah. then also, you know, I know you told me before that you kind of got trolled. Like, yeah. how, how did that kind of inform your ideas about what it meant to put work out there? Because that's pretty intense.
0: Um, I was, I still get very nervous with sharing work online, but I love it. In the same like as as much as I, I'm afraid of the internet, I love the internet. I like made so many connections with just like we're talking now because we know each other through Instagram. And I was just like, even with all of the trolls, like I now like I'm like if I don't have people trolling me, then I'm like, did I make did I make or did I have a statement that was like large enough or like grandiose enough that people didn't didn't fuck with it or they didn't feel like or if you did have, like, a visceral response, I'm like, mm. is it really, is it art that poignant? And then it's like, is it, are you making things that are actually challenging people's views? And so, like, my first experiences with, with being trolled is when I did, like, this interview with Racked. And it's, like, on my Instagram still. And it has, it got, like, it was the first time, I like, I had 500,000 people view something on my Instagram. And it's, like, in 2017. And I was just, like, people were, like, literally calling me so many slurs. And so many, they were, like, you're destroying what it means to be a Black man you f-word you it was like I was being called everything and I was just me and my mom would just like be watching it and we got to I got to a point where I had to like literally just like sit my phone off and like leave it at home because it was like so many different notifications and people calling me the most absurd things without knowing me and I realized I was just like honestly I like it (laughs) which is like the most crazy thing because I'm just like Normally people are like, oh, I hate the haters, but I'm just like, if, if my haters aren't like, like responding to what I'm doing, then I'm not doing it good enough, (laughs) or or I'm not like giving them something to talk about. And I'm like, I'd rather people talk about my art than have nothing to say at all, or just go, hmm, that was cute. I'd rather you be like, oh, I hate you (laughs) for making this. (laughs) But I, I also that. like That's a nut powerful. job. <laughs> yeah, no, I rather you hate me for making something, and you actually felt something. Like I want people to feel like take a like really like because I'm like you can't undo a feeling, and like you can't unsee something. So it's like if you you like that like my if my artwork if it makes you hate me, but your mind is forever changed about like how you see yourself or like how you see other people or you start to see other people for who they actually are, then I've done my job as an artist. And that's what I, that's just how I personally feel about it. I don't know if that's right or wrong, um, but I think everything is subjective when it comes to art. So who gives a fuck?
1: <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> uh, that work, like Glitter Boy was followed kind of closely by Purple, which you know, is one of my favorite works that you've done. Thank you. Which really kind of documents this matriarch of your family adorned yeah. in Bathsheba dresses similar to the ones that your grandmother used to wear. Yes. And it feels like your grandma and her lineage is really at the heart of that work. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the ideas behind it and what it was like to work with your family that first time?
0: Oh, that was hilarious. Cause my family always bugs me. They're like, well, during that time, they would bug me and be like, you shoot everyone else, but when are you want to shoot us? And I'm just like, <laughs> I, um, I don't know. Like, it's kind of hard to like, cause I have to like shoot you, but I also have to like immortalize you because I'm like, I don't know, like, I, like, I saw the power where Glitter Boy could go, so I was just, like, oh, if I'm shooting my family, I have to do this right, um, and, like, right in whatever, like, I just needed to, like, can show the world who they actually were, and, like, my grandmother's influence is just really strong, in my, my great-grandmother, uh, Alma Mae Hudson, she's just, like, a, a literally, I don't, I don't really know how to, like, she's such a, a lot of a woman, um, in the best way, she's very, just, like, really sensitive, and, like, but also, like, kind of like bossy and always just like held down my entire family since she decided that in when she was 18 she was going to move from Virginia to New York City then to Philadelphia um with literally knowing no one that lived in the northern part of the U.S. other than like cousins that she distantly knew um but she was just like I gotta escape the south (laughs) I I can't do that and I think that I always say that like because she was very nervous for me to go to school in New York City but I was like girl, you moved from the South at 18 during like the height of like segregation. Like you were a different girl. So I'm like gonna follow in your footsteps in a way of just going for it. But I think with that series, it was really fun to shoot them and also to work with Bathsheba because it was such an organic collaboration. Like there wasn't, I had no idea where it was gonna live or where these photos were gonna live like before shooting it. And it was like, I was also very much in a rut of like, how do I make work on the same level with glitter boy? Like no one tells you once you have a viral series at 19, how to follow that up. And like, there was no blueprint. And like, even in school, like I went to school for journalism and not photography. So there was like no one or no courses in my roster at that time. I was just strictly doing journalism. So it was nothing to do with anything visual. So it was just like, I had to really start like seeking it out myself. And like, I had a conversation with Mickalene Thomas, And she like told me that I needed to just have fun with what I was doing. And like, I needed to really just not get too caught up in like the numbers and like get too caught up in like the response for the work. I just need to just make work that's, that speaks to whatever I'm feeling in that moment. And I wanted to um, shoot my family and I've hit Bathsheba up and she was, I saw Bathsheba's dresses via Instagram and I was like oh these are really cool dresses and I was like this reminds me of my grandmother and so I just ended up dming her and we found out we lived 10 blocks from each other I lived on 92nd and Lexington and she lived on like 92nd and like 8th so we I just like walked over one day and was just like hey I have this idea I want to shoot my family in your dresses and she said okay (laughs) and gave me 10 (laughs) of her dresses and I was just like whoa that was pretty easy so this is going well um and it I sort of get this feeling when I'm like making a shoot when things are just going so well and I get like very nervous that something's going to go wrong with me like loading the camera and like or like something very like technical and it, it never happens but I always get very nervous but I know when I have that feeling of like being unsure and being scared to like do it and like put it out that it's going to be a moment and it always happens um when I'm doing anything big and so I brought the dress anyway that's sidebar but brought the dresses home and my family was like oh we're shooting this weekend I'm not here isn't done. I'm not shooting this and so then I had, like <laughs> convinced them to like please like let me let me shoot you um which is you would think it would be a lot easier to shoot your family. It's not, they give me as much pushback as any, anyone else. Um, and they also have a very strong, um, they know how they see themselves. And so like to allow me and like to trust me with that, like the image of themselves was like a lot, but they eventually were like, okay, you are an adult. We trust you. This is your thing. We're going to let you do this. And it was just such a fun moment because I never really got to see them as people. And I, I also got to meet my little sisters as people. And like, they kind of like guided their own make, they like, they, they did their own makeup. And they like, they told me what they wanted to look like. And like every, it was so collaborative that it was just like, wait, why have we never done this before? And so now i like shoot them quite often, but that was like such a, like a affirming experience as just as an artist. And like, I think it was the first time they actually understood what I did and like uh understood that this is like something that I'm probably gonna do for the rest of my life.
1: Wow, how powerful. And you've continued to shoot them, right? Because it's not just your personal work that you shoot them for. You shot them for editorials as well. Yeah.
0: I bring them in as much as I can. Um and also just like when it makes sense. Like uh Valentino after purple, they tapped me to release their sneaker and they wanted to make a project that was like centered around family. And I was like, oh well, duh. I have like my family's like they're a game for this and like they love Um, Now they love posing in front of the camera, especially when it's me because they know it's going to blow up somehow or like become this like larger than life thing. And I recently just shot them through the pandemic just because I was, was home and I was like going, like anytime I feel like I'm in a rut, I go back home and like, these are people that like ground me and like also uplift me and like push me to just making my best art. And I'm also having a very crazy deja vu moment looking at myself in this map of, I think London um, mm-hmm. on the screen, um, which is insane. I'm, I'm a Gemini, so that happens quite often, but yeah, no, anytime I needed to like really ground myself and to really feel like me again. And also when I need to feel like safe and like um, I just go back home to my mom's house and I, like lay on her couch and like just chill with my family. Cause I feel like that's like the most me I can get. And like, this is where it all started and like I formed all identity in the, these houses in Philadelphia. Um, and I feel like that's the best way to get back to like my rawest, purest form of making art is just being there with them. And I'm always like super, super excited to work with them. And I think in the latest project I did um, and it premiered with garage. I think that was the first time I really let them guide the images and it wasn't me informing and like being like oh this is how I see you I was like no just do your thing I'm just going to like document and take a full step back and like you just be who all of who you are in these images and I'm not going to filter it at all. I'm
1: already excited for like flash forward 20 years and the book that you make about your family over like this whole yeah. period of time is going to be incredible.
0: I, yeah, it's going to, that's like my family work is going to be something I do for the rest of my life. And I'm, I'm also like super excited to like, just have that. Cause like, for me, I got into photography because I wanted to preserve like preserve my existence, but also I realized in the act of doing glitter boy and purple that like my existence also speaks to the whole conversation of what it means to be a black American and like how that it hasn't been documented. And I was just like, if my family photos are going to be something that like, is looked at in history about like, these were what people black people were like in the early 2000s. I'm like, okay, this is amazing. That's amazing for me. But like, I mostly do it simply because we don't have that many family photos. (laughs) And so (laughs) I like to take them. And then I realized that like, yeah, Black people just have not been documented. (laughs) And I was like, this is, it's really fun to see that, like, in I think we're going through a really special moment in America when it comes to, like, image making, where you get to see so many Black photographers and just creators get to really, like, rectify and also, like, just cement our existence in, like, American history. And it's that's, like, really wild to, like, like actually see history be written in real time like I think like with the new black vanguard that shit is I like look at that book and like what the fuck like that's real like and like I always think about like my grandmother is like in the same book as Beyonce and this is all just like some like cementing a new form of what it means to like a black beauty and I'm like what like that's so insane to me to like really like take a step back and really understand what that book is and like what this work mean like what it means to the world. And I was just like, girl, I don't be knowing what we going on sometimes. I'd be like, this is so much larger than me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a powerful time and your work is so vital to that. I mean, yeah, I love that family work so much.
0: Yeah. I, I always just have to like really be like, wow, like this is speaking to so many people and like I'm always just like, thank you to everyone that looks like me that is like supporting me and like i like there are also like multiple moments where like i just completely like get overwhelmed and like tear up at the idea that like some of these images are going to live longer than my like me and it's like stuff that i'm making as a 20 year old i'm like just what girl this is so crazy (laughs) like even the fact that we're having a conversation about this is like yeah i'm like this is literally everything my parents and everyone that raised me work for like my mom shout out to her literally had me at 14 years old and like went on to get two degrees and like raised me and I'm just like I don't know I literally wouldn't be there without these women so like I have to shoot these women (laughs) because I wouldn't be here without them
1: in a relatively short amount of time you've really crafted this distinct visual language and I'd love Mm -hmm. to hear about what influences inform your work other than your family I guess
0: I just like went to a very, very like Black uh, elementary school where there were like Black teachers that were really teaching us things that were only written by Black people. So like we got to see ourselves in the work and like she would open up the book and it would be like an a African folktale and then you would literally see like a Black warrior growing up and like it would be a similar story to like Hansel and Gretel or like Rapunzel but it's a Black woman and then she's like talking about like how her hair is, like, a part of, like, that's growing from sea moss or, like, some shit like that, and I thought that was, like, I didn't realize how much that informed, like, my early understanding of what it, like, who I was, and, like, um, I think it really helped me solidify that, like, I was, like, very comfortable being Black, and I didn't really want to. I didn't really have many aspirations at that age to be white or like have any association to whiteness. But then I went to a very a different middle school and I got to understand that there were other cultures and I think that like just expanded my mind in like other ways. And like there's so much to this world and I kinda of wanted to see it all. Um and so then I started pulling from like global culture. And I think that as I just gotten older, I pulled from a lot of different walks of life. Um and it doesn't really matter like where it's coming from, but end of the day, a lot of my references are very, like, Black things. Like, I also reference a lot of things from, like, the 90s. Like, I think about, like, I love the shots I from, like, uh, like Hype Williams and, like, Belly. And then I also think about, like, what movie that I was, like, um, oh, Eve's you, And I think about, like, just like the idea of like spirituality has always been something that's been associated with like black culture and like how I was, I was just joking with one of my friends recently, how like journey Smollett is in Lovecraft, but journey Smollett has always played a black witch (laughs) of some sort. Um, And I always think about that when I'm like making like newer images or things that are like are uncanny when it comes to like blackness, Like, like there's a lot of like spiritualism when it comes to being black as we're like trying to understand ourselves and like, So I think I'm, like, now, like, sourcing through that. But then, like, in my, like, personal work in this moment of, like, me making things is definitely pulling a lot from, like, Asian culture and, like, the repression that a lot of, like, queer Asian artists have to, like, had to go through expressing, like, sexuality. And almost, like, um, they reach, I feel like a lot of them reach a point of just being, like, fuck it, I'm going to bear it all. And I feel like same thing with me. and I feel like a lot of other, like, Black queer artists, I think you reach a point where you're just, like, there are no rules here. And I feel like society has always like placed this like structure of like you need to do this you need to behave in this way and to be digested and like to be understood as an artist and I just don't feel like I have that same I don't have that same desire to be understood I think I'm just going to be giving you guys the work and letting you figure it out and I'm really excited to like share the newer stuff because it's definitely going to be my vision of what it would mean to be black and queer and to be liberated and to be fully free and like to not have any shackles of like Uh, identity placed upon your body and like if what would that look like and I think my earlier work from before lockdown what I did for uh with Google Pixel with boy parts I think kind of like started to tap into that but I want to expand that even further because I just feel like though like Glitter Boy and Boy Parts kind of answer the question of what or like how I see Black masculinity I'm like there is still so much more I need to unpack visually just for like myself. And I just like want to convey it to the world. Like, no, it's not this monolithic not monolithic thing. We're not all the same. And it's like also not all the same body type. And I was just like, just for me, like understanding desire. And like, especially when it comes to being queer, I wanted to like push what we as like gay men view as like desirable and like I don't really have a fixed view of like who I want to date or like who I find sexy so I like kind of want to really push that
1: (laughs) I'm excited to see that it sounds amazing
0: yeah I'm working on it um now and I'm like happy to talk about it but (laughs) I don't think that won't come until like later in 2021 (laughs) got it One
1: of the things that I really love about you is that you don't compromise on creativity. You're like really (laughs) fiercely protective over your authorship, no matter like what the context. Yeah. If a job's not right for you, you know, you'll pass it on to another photographer, which is not easy to do. And I wonder, what's that experience been like for you kind of navigating and protecting your vision?
0: So in the beginning, I wasn't that protective of it. And then I realized I was like, getting like asked to do things that I just really had no interest in or didn't really align with who I was. And I just kind of got tired. And I think about this Nicki Minaj quote where she goes, if you accept the pickle juice, then you will be drinking pickle juice. And I just no longer wanted to drink pickle juice and like, just accept things because people were like, here, you need to do this. I'm like, actually, I don't, <laughs> I don't need to do any of this. I don't even need to play into this game of wit, um you think of. I need to be as an artist, especially as a black artist. Cause I feel like there's, A different framework of understanding like being what it means to be a black artist like white artists get to be free and get to be ever-changing and evolving and like a lot of people in the beginning only wanted me to do glitter boy or like do things where's the glitter where's the glitter would be the question all the time and I'd just be like what the fuck I'm like (laughs) I'm a photographer it doesn't have to be like I'm like and I'm not a gimmick and I'm just like this is not just this one idea I have multiple ideas in a vast world that lives in my head and also multiple people that live in my head so I'm like I need to be able for all of them to share and talk to the world so I just like if the project doesn't personally align with like what I'm thinking in the moment I'll just be like hey I don't think I'm the best person for this but I do know six other people that could give you what you're looking for and I think they'd be really happy to take this job and I also like love putting on um or not even putting on it's there's Being like, hey, this opportunity would be, this isn't right for me, but it would be great. Like, I think it would be great for you. And I think that maybe you should take it if you like it. And also just like understanding that like, Yes, I, like, after Glitter Boy and after Purple, I was, like, given a lot of opportunities. But, like, it shouldn't just be me, the only Black photographer sitting at that table. I'm, like, I don't want to sit at this table by myself in a room full of White people that barely understand me. I'm, like, I need to create my own table and also invite other young Black creators to whatever table there is. And, and like, I just want to be in my room with my niggas and be, like, we all make an art, and it's all great. And, like, I, I feel, like, now we're starting to be able to see that and like it's not just like this one-off thing of just being like oh we have our one black photographer and I'm like I don't ever want to be the one black photographer so I'm like definitely gonna open a door for like seven other people to walk through because I'm like what I realized is that when I finally walk through whatever Fake door. There was. There was like I, I even think Kimberly Drew said it too. It was like there's literally another black person waiting for you, being like, I was waiting for you at the door. Like please walk through. Like come to this table. We need more of us here. Like to so just keep expanding and like having our like having um blackness be understood. Like I think that's like our my main goal as an artist is just to like have my version of blackness be understood, but also like I want the world to understand there is such many different interpretations of what it means to be black and I think that's what's happening and I like I think that's why I advocate so hard for like other like especially younger people because I'm just like people always ask come to me like oh you're like the new young kid on the scene and I'm just like no but like there's other younger kids doing way (laughs) cooler shit and it's probably way more raw and like not as like so I feel like right now I feel like I'm also like telling myself to be like Refine, but also like grow and like be able to present my work in a different context not just in editorial I really want to move into museum space and so like that's a slower game like it takes me a little bit longer to conceptualize my work a lot like right now and like I really need to think throughout each image I'm making and like how does this image lay next to that image and it's like I know there's a bunch of younger kids that can't even wait to get in the door to because they've been having ideas for like 18 years that they want to share and it's like Please let them have their shine because I need some time to think. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so that's that's why I advocate so hard. I'm just like I I just know what it what it is to like be waiting for that moment. And I'm just like if I can be like yo they they got the juice right there that that's the that's the new stuff. And I'm trying to even like be cool with them because they want some new shit and I need to be <laughs> on some new shit. Like I love just interacting with new people too. So it's just like let's just like grow and expand and like really just help each other and i just feel like for a lot of times like they just they have just ironed in and they as like the industry and like also just america just irons in that like we only going to let one one black person through at a time and it's like i don't think i think my generation is just completely fed up with that whole idea and it's just like no, we're all here and we all are going to advocate for each other
1: you're listening to the messy truth conversations on photography Following you on Instagram is not just about seeing great work. It's kind of become (laughs) this live feed of like the quill style evolution Um, and your love of clothes and like dressing up is so joyful and so fun. But on like a more serious note, like unlike a lot of your peers, you can tell that you truly love the language of fashion. And I'm curious, like how your personal love of style filters into your work and the style and the approach to styling within your photographs
0: well I think style in like fashion has been just such an integral part to my identity since I was like really forming it um my goddad is a sneaker reseller and has been doing that since the 90s so he always made sure that I was wearing like the fly sneakers that like just dropped so like once I found out like there were more it was more to fashion than just sneaker in like sneaker culture I was like there's an entire world of like people making (laughs) like really cool artisanal things that you can wear I was like oh oh like this is like this is all I need to do and like I also am like I always like say I'm a student of like the Kanye West School of Fashion like I got into fashion through Kanye West sharing it with the world and like well, and also sharing it with, like, young Black kids. And I don't think people put enough, like, respect on, like, what he did and, like, how he um, probably, like, he's probably one of the biggest pioneers of just ushering just fashion to youth, even though he's really problematic in this current moment. He really had a really sweet spot, like, probably, like, between 2011 to like 2014, where he was doing really, really cool shit when it came to fashion and also just letting a lot of like young black kids be a part of this like culture that like white people kept black people out of for so long. And I think that like we, like I think that like now, like it's definitely like allowed me to like his being like, oh, I want to wear like Givenchy or like I want to do all of that shit. And I was like, oh, this nigga fly as hell. And then I was just, like, as I started, like, expanding, like, it was, like, I was probably, like, 16, being, like, oh, I'm loving Kanye. And then I just started being, like, oh, wait, there's other things. And, like, I think rap culture also, like, influenced my, like, taste with fashion. So, I would be, like, the rappers are, like, kind of the coolest kids. And, like, I loved when they were, like, oh, rappers are the new rock stars. Because I was just, like, literally, like, that is the fact um, of the world. Um, literally, rap is the new rock. Um and I just like kind of loved being like fly um when I was in high school and so then it just like kept evolving and like I just kind of got into learning just more about fashion as I like kind of grew older and like started even working in fashion I'd be like oh and so now like you guys are seeing it at 23 but I was like definitely just a little like little caterpillar forming and just like absorbing so many different brands and cultures like my friends always go like you know so much about fashion. Like, how did you even learn? How do you even learn? Like, how do you even know who's new? I'm just like, I always just have my eye to like what's going on on like Vogue Runway or some shit like that. Or like what's going on, like who's the new coolest kids coming out of like Central St. Martins. And like also the new school too. Like I'm always just like paying attention to that shit. But also then I'll be like, what are the rappers wearing? And like, what's the hood wearing? Like what are the brands they're fucking with? Because like, it's like this weird disconnect. I I find in fashion where like they'll be like they'll they'll want the black customer, but they won't put the black customer they won't put the black person or like they won't put the black consumer in the imaging. And I like I want to change that. Like I love seeing Gucci man as the face of Gucci, which should have happened ten years ago because he's Gucci fucking man. And (laughs) I just like want to somehow bridge those worlds of like street like street culture or like black culture and i don't even know if street culture is black culture but like well no black culture did definitely influence street culture like heavenly anything you see a black person with is considered street and urban and somehow became street wear but i just think that like what we were doing what i like what i grew up with and seeing like um seeing how like the guys the guys in my neighborhood would wear like prada or like how they would wear just like any of these like really like high fashion labels but do it in a way that was like cool like I like I've seen uh, like my favorite thing is like the new America Prada sneaker Um, and it's like a classic Prada sneaker and it's supposed to be like something for like Italian businessmen and seeing like literally people I know in the hood driving around with them just on just as like this fly-ass sneaker and I'd be like yo what are those and they're like it's Prada and it's like wait in a whole different context and I just like kind of want to bring that world into fashion and like because like these are the people that are buying your shit like they need to be seen here
1: 100% for sure your work really centers on this very intimate connection with your subject and and you can tell your subject really commits to and believes in your vision and so I wondered how you build trust with your subjects when you're working with
0: people who you don't know Mm -hmm. um I think it's like a natural like vibe thing um I think in every um I've been told a lot recently that like my sets are some of like the chillest sets in fashion and it's like not chill in the sense of like oh it's like small like I am still like running like a pretty big like a well not not so much in COVID but still like it's still about like a good six people um but they're like oh my god this is like such a like fun experience so low stress and I'm just like well, why would it be stressful? We're all here to, like, achieve a goal. And I'm like, I like to communicate with everyone from, like, production, because I'm like, production's handling everything, to styling, to makeup. I'd, like, talk to everyone on set and just, like, want to talk, like, let's meet eye to eye, like, these are my ideas, what do you think, like, let's go back and forth, and even to, like, talent, I'm, like, how do you see yourself, did I get this right with the mood board, and, like, I just kind of wanted to be, like, a really collaborative process, and I think that's the best way to, like, get your subject to trust you. Taking an image, it's always been, like, a very fun experience for me, and also been one that's, like, very, like, affirming, so, like, I kind of want to make sure you really feel seen, and, like, really feel heard, and, like, I don't know I just have like a very like sense like especially with meeting like new people I'm just like what are you about and like and like if I'm taking your portrait like how can I make sure that you feel great like I just want you to feel really really good and like hopefully this is the best portrait you feel like I want you to like walk away being like this is my favorite portrait of myself and like this is also my favorite photo shoot experience
1: I love that such a good attitude I wanted to talk to you about the pandemic, because when it began, you it felt like you were one of the first photographers to really adapt your process and, you know, figure everything out. So it enabled you to shoot remotely, both for your personal work, but also you shot covers and stories remotely, including like a wild shoot with Pamela Anderson. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about what that virtual process was like and how you went about making work that feels like you, even though you weren't in the room with your subject.
0: Um, I think it's the same approach where like with the Pamela shoot, I was like, well, Pamela Anderson also called me (laughs) and we FaceTimed before the shoot. And I was just like, oh shit. Like I was on the phone with Pamela Anderson and I was just like, you are the American sex symbol. Like that was insane. I think i go into it just like with like loving my subject. So I always pick jobs that like I'm actually interested in the person um, (laughs) and just wanting to like meet and like shoot shit with them. So we like, I think I just approached it no differently than how I approach a regular shoot. And I also didn't want to limit myself to like being like, this is not a viable way to make an image. I need to be with the dark room and printing and everything. And I'm just like, well, that's actually physically not possible. Um, we are we are in a pandemic. <laughs> um, and so I just kind of like, like, it took me a few weeks to just mentally come to terms with like, Well, I, well, also, like, early on in the pandemic, I was, like, I quit photography because I'm, like, we can't do this. And then I was, like, actually, Quill, we can. And it's just going to be a little bit different than how it was before. And I was, like, I'm still an image maker, even if I, like, physically don't have the camera in my hand. I'm, like, there's a different, there's going to be just a different approach to making an image. And you shouldn't really limit yourself. And I think that a lot of times in life, just as people we go, things have to be done in this way for it to be, like, viable. And I don't, really want to get too pigeon-held on anything especially being this young like I'm 23 years old if I was going to be like oh I only do it this way I feel like I'm way too young and like there's also so much for me to learn and so I think I just um with the with shooting remotely I just wanted to learn how to do that and I just wanted to still be a student and I I think actively like I think that's how I all like even with like newer references and newer things I just like want to still be a student and just kind of keep learning how to make an image and like if that is through a different form of like technology like so be it like I don't really want to be too held up and or just like restrict myself in any way not this early.
1: Did it make you more aware of like how you see the world because obviously there's a lot of things that are very intuitive to you as a photographer but because you kind of had to direct somebody else using the camera sometimes did that kind of I don't know. Did it make you more aware of your
0: process? Um, well, well, when it constructing an image, yes. Like, yes and no. It just kind of made me realize that, like, I need to be better at communicating. Um, And, like, I really need to be very clear about what I'm asking. And it's not, can you go over there? It's, like, can you go left and, like, go down right and, like, adjust your jaw? And it's, like, just, like, really just talking and, like, having... And it's also just about building trust, too, Um and so it's just about being a good communicator. And I feel like I can use that in a bunch of different aspects of life of just being like talking to people better (laughs) Mm. and really conveying my idea and like thoughts through language. And I feel like as a photographer, I don't really have to do that often. It's just about um a lot of my like a lot of my life is visual. So it's like I don't really have to talk too often. Um, And I think it just made me a better communicator.
1: (laughs) Your work is so much about beauty and kind of, as you just said, kind of meeting people where they are and representing who they are in a genuine way. I'm Mm -hmm. curious who you think about when you're making work, like who are you
0: creating for? I think, well, okay. I'm creating for a lot of people, but I think that's also because I'm black. So I feel like I'm making the work for me, but then I'm also very aware that this is like representing my, my entire culture, but also like representing my like family. And then like, I I think it ended end of the day, me, like it all comes back to just being like, I just want to feel really happy with these images, but also I'm like very aware of everything that I represent. So it's like to, like, to not feel the pressure of like, is weird, but at the same time I don't, cause I'm just like, everyone is just like very supportive of the things that I just do. So I'm just like, if I just keep being me and like making work for myself, then I don't, I think everyone will respond to it in the same ways they responded to everything I've done. So yeah, that's that's my approach and my thoughts to it, to who I make it for. I think I make it for me, but also like understand the power of images and like how they circulate. And like, I think I'm now being like hyper intentional of like how and where I want these images to live.
1: You got your break so young and you've already gone on to achieve so much. I have no doubt that this was not an easy journey. One that I'm sure was profoundly impacted by ageism and racism. And (laughs) I wondered, you know, what is it like being in the fashion industry right now for you?
0: Being in fashion right now as Quill Lemons is super interesting because I don't think a lot of people, like... I always, I, I still to this day feel like I'm like Hannah Montana, where like, I am just Quill some days, and then it's like, oh, Quill lemons, and it's like, such a dance of balancing the two, because some people don't know I'm me 90% of the time, because they just don't expect me to look the way I do, um, being like, young and black, and to be shooting some of the things that I've shot, um, so it's always like this, like, little bit of like a dysphoria, where it's like, people are like, wait, you're Quill, and I'm like, yeah, and he was like, oh, I don't expect you to look like this, and I'm just like, well, what should I look like? And then I, like, kind of, like, okay, well, I, I stopped, like, caring as much, but I always found that comment to be interesting, and I'm just like, what should I be to, for people to understand that I'm me? And then I think it's just a it's a, the doors are opening, but then I'm also just very nervous that, like, I don't want this to be a trend, like, I don't want, because I saw there was, like, a a flux of magazine, of black people in magazine covers being shot by black people, but, like, we also went through, like, a very wild moment with uh, Black Lives Matter and the death of George Floyd, and so I'm, like, is, I hope this is just not a response to, like, now everyone needs to be supportive of, like, black things, like, no, like, we are making things, and, like, this is not just a trend, like, we are a whole people and there's a whole culture being represented here and finally getting its due and I just hope that the door doesn't shut and so like I'm just like actively trying to make real ways to like real structures and systems to like make sure that doesn't happen and like really start to uplift other people and just like I don't think I don't really think that I, I think about me so much because I feel like I'm doing my own thing and i don't really, like I I stop caring if people mm. are going to be paying attention, but I just kind of want to make sure that this younger generation, the people after me have a way to come in and be, and be doing the same things that I've done. Um, and I think that's what I'm really interested in. It's just like keep building community um, mm. and keep finding my like other art people out there, my other, my little art, my black art family, and like finding other creators and like really just like taking ideas off of them and like figuring out how we can like work together is like my goal I don't know what fashion is for me right now but I don't think I'm like as interested in it as I once was I'm interested in making images not so much in fashion anymore I like I always have a love for clothes and like a love for fashion but I don't think fashion is like my main focus right now I think it's about making art and if if that lies in fashion or if it's like fashion is a vehicle to share that message, then so be it. But I don't think I'm really like super hell bent on like fashion imaging as I once was.
1: Interesting. Cause I wanted to ask you about the interview you did last year with Lou Stoppard for the New York times, which <laughs> was all about how the pandemic is affecting and shaping the fashion fantasy. And mm-hmm. the article featured people like Tim Walker, Glenn Lutchford, Shaniqua Jarvis, but it was really your quote that kind of, made reverberations <laughs> around the industry and you said why can't the everyday black person be your fantasy a fantasy is anything you dream of and I don't dream of white people running through the Sahara <laughs> and I mean it is a legendary quote did you expect it to be felt
0: so deeply okay no no <laughs> I was <just> talking shit <laughs> um I was talking shit and then I realized after the interview that like oh shit, I just said that and that could be going into the times and then it did. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, well, so be it. Um, It has been said Sue me if you feel differently, but you shouldn't. Um, (laughs) I just felt like, well, I just feel like with my images too, where I just like, you finally get to see like accurate portrayals of black people doing normal shit. <laughs> like, I was just like, that is, I feel like just as powerful as those, the works of like the legendary photographs we've seen, which were the first images being taken. Um, and I feel like a lot of that work in the um, wasn't accessible to black people due to money and like doing to like resources and like, my entire like my entire community was so disenfranchised and like so told that we weren't shit for so long and it's really nice to like be like nah we are the we are the shit we are literally the backbone of this fucking country and being like be able being able to have those words be the sonic boom was like fine by me um the sonic boom that it was i I literally I don't I didn't think it was gonna be shared that many times with people throughout the industry. I'm actually was like very afraid of it that it was being shared so much. So I was like, there are a lot of racist people in this industry and they might not hire me, but so be it. Fuck y'all. Um <laughs> Yeah, you spoke your truth. Yeah, and I just feel like I I felt very empowered um to say those things. And I was just like, I was in an article with literally some of the people that i've like admired for so long and like these are great stuff photography and people were talking about my quote they were talking about what i had to say not what they had to say and i was like that's insane i and i am still mentally processing that i love everyone in that article so much like i was like that was i was that tim walker is fucking amazing like he's an amazing photographer and that's the other thing i don't want to conflate like, I feel like I say a lot of things um, in these in interviews and people go, oh, you must hate white photographers or you must hate white people. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, if you feel that way, then you're completely missing what I'm saying. Because um, I'm like, there are a lot of amazing white photographers. Do I constantly reference them? No, because I <laughs> reference a lot of amazing black photographers, which mm-hmm. constantly get ignored and aren't even taught to you. I just didn't understand, like, how... Black people just weren't being photographed. (laughs) Like, I just didn't understand that. And I just, like, kind of walked into this industry and I just kind of say the things that people are afraid to say.
1: But I think it's so important and it's funny, isn't it? Because you were kind of saying that earlier in terms of like, it's just inherently who you've always been, like partly the messenger and the person brave enough to stand up and like say what needs to be said. And that's yeah. not an easy thing to do, but it is a vital thing to do.
0: Yeah. So all credit to you. I bring my soapbox with me everywhere I go and I will stand on it and die on it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I wanted to ask you the question that I ask everybody at the end of the show, and that's what matters more to you: the experience of making the work or the final image. I,
0: I'm I'm an experiential person, so I have to say the experience because I feel like there are so many moments that like of uh, that I like just love about shooting and like just getting to meet people that I've admired for so long and like being able to photograph them and like I there are so many moments that I can't even like share like they they just happen and I can't even like share other than like talking about them the images are amazing but I think my connections with people are why I do this and I think that like yeah I think that's yeah I love just meeting and connecting with people that I admire so yeah definitely experience over the final product
1: (laughs) quill lemons you are a legend in the making thank you so much for being on the show it was so good to speak to you
0: Thanks for having me and all my rambled thoughts. Uh, (laughs) You're the best. Thank you. (laughs) Bye.
1: Thanks for listening to The Messy Truth. You can find more information about today's guests in the show notes. Theme music is changed by Judd Greenstein from the album Awake and design is by Ruby White. You can follow updates on the podcast on my Instagram at jemfletcher or subscribe to my newsletter at jemfletcher.com feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts.